Good morning, friends. So good to be with you. I, every time I walk into this building on Sunday mornings, I miss you even more. I miss the buzz in this room. I miss seeing you walk in late, most of you, let's be honest. I miss being able to worship together and hear the voices. I miss it. It's a reminder. But I love, I love seeing your names pop up on Zoom and on Facebook. Maybe some of you are like me and you, you don't want to miss any comments or any, any names. So I'm on Facebook Live on my phone and I'm on Zoom as we speak. Get the full experience. Do it. And really take Shelly's word of encouragement to, you know, clean up a little bit next week for Advent. And let's see each other's faces as we light those candles and be together. It feels more like family time. That's going to be fun. And I want to encourage you. We've heard from a few of you who maybe are struggling right now or lost your job or um, things are looking a little bit scary for you. Reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We want to know if we can help. But more than that, well, along with that, we want to know how to pray for you. We want to walk with you. We want to be with you as your church family. So if you're struggling right now, if right now has been, a, if, if this has been a hard time, reach out to your home church pastor. Reach out to the elders, elders at brewcitychurch.org. Shoot us a text or a call. Just reach out to us and use this Sunday morning time like we would at Bruce City Church. We're not the smoking, you know, lighting church. We are a personal church. And so let's, you guys are a little bit quiet on Facebook Live. If, you're, if you could use some prayer this morning, just say that on Zoom or on Facebook Live and people will pray for you right now, even if you can't even, they'll tell you they're praying for you. I go back on Facebook Live and I look at all the comments on there. And if you say, I need some prayer or I'm struggling, I can promise you tonight, I will be in prayer for you. I'll be holding you in prayer. And so let's, let's just be the church more now than ever and utilize the, the amazing ways we can connect that are unique and beautiful and brilliant in different ways. So please reach out to us. Please fill those comments and chats with any needs or any uh, re prayer requests. And with that, I'm gonna let Elliot get to our first question. Yeah, so uh, I'll keep putting the number up to text to throughout our time so you can uh, keep sending those in. Um, and we're thin on questions for this morning so far, so feel free. Uh, but there's a few that we uh, we had a surplus last week, and so I want to hit some of those. I kind of rose to the top. Um, I think that the the first one, uh, how, how do we live in a biblical or Christ-like way in our world? So this is a big question. Um, but how do we bring glory to God, especially if we don't tell people we're doing things for the glory of God? So I'll, I'll just kind of leave this here. I think it's a little open to interpretation, very broad, but uh, who wants to speak to this one? I'll hop in first. Um, this is really, really important question, friends. This, I'm, I'm glad if we have this question, please ask it, because this is what we're all about. This is what, this is what our whole faith journey is about, is how does this thing live out? It's not fire insurance. It's not a check a box to check in our life. It's not a pie piece of the pie. It's the whole pie. It's the, it's all of reality. And so what's a biblical way to, to live out in a Christ-like way in our world? It's called discipleship friends. It's called being formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. And that doesn't always mean the the scriptures didn't have 
the 14 church program that you can get connected to and plugged into in order to get formed into the likeness of Christ. We have this, the word of God, the scriptures. Dive into the scriptures on a regular basis. Learn what it looks like to, to, to live a biblical life. Learn what it looks like to, to live a Christ-like life directly from the source. Get into the scriptures. Take, consume the scriptures. Have a regular prayer life. You don't need a church program to have a regular prayer life. Take a walk and don't just walk and, and notice good architecture or a crummy neighborhood. Walk and breathe in the presence of Christ. Prayer walk through your neighborhood. Prayer walk through different neighborhoods. You don't need a ministry to point you to that. We had another question, I think, that said something about, like, how do I live this out? And I know we're called to love, but how do I live it out more practically? Living a life of love, friends, is as practical as it gets. Like, we, if we're going to live in a biblical way, it looks like living in the way of love. Jesus said it. They're going to know you're, you're my disciples by your love for one another. Paul said it. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The Apostle John said it. If we, if we love, we are like God because love comes from God, and we love because God first loved us. This is what it looks like to walk in a Christ-like way. So then, get really practical. What is walking in the way of Christ? What is walking in the way of love look like in my family right now? What does it look like in my family conversations and dynamics? What does walking in the way of love and walking in a Christ-like way look like on social media? Let's be honest, we live on social media a lot. So what does it look like to walk in a Christ-like way? These are discipling questions. Am I engaged in a home church? If I call Bruce City Church my home, am I engaged in a home church where I can be discipled and equipped and encouraged and challenged by peers and people who become spiritual family? This is how we live. And we don't live in this dualistic way that says, when I'm doing a church ministry thing or I'm working for a nonprofit or a homeless shelter, I'm doing Christ's work. And when I'm working or when I'm hanging out with my kids or when I'm by myself, it's not, it's not spiritual. That is just not reality, friends. That's putting God in these tiny little boxes. See, because really, even though I know it's been said before, but it really is true, everything is spiritual. Everything you do is sacred. There is no sacred and secular divide. There is no holy and profane. The incarnation made everything holy and sacred. Every person, everything. Grow in mindfulness of that this week. Discipleship is what the scriptures and the New Testament and Jesus is all about. Discipleship is what we are all about. Growing in the way of Christ. Growing in our discipleship. And that means being mindful of the presence of Christ when I'm making breakfast. As I'm raising my kids and trying to do that in a way that doesn't... <laughs> oh gosh, don't get me started on parenting. I hope you're sensing what I'm saying though. In this idea of doing something for the glory of God without saying we're doing it for the glory of God... I, I get that question because we find particularly the Apostle Paul talking about doing things for the glory of God and God creating this whole thing for his glory, right? The way I see that idea or that concept is my kids. When I feel most honored and loved by my kids is not when they come and sit at my feet and say, we love you so much, daddy. You're the most amazing daddy in the world. As a matter of fact, that's kind of awkward. 
when I feel most loved and honored by my kids is when they love each other and play together really well. When I, when I feel most honored by my kids is when I see my daughter having a heart for justice. When I feel most honored and loved by my kids is when I, one of my kids stands up for someone who's being treated really poorly at school. Those are the times I'm most proud. And maybe you could say, maybe the Father feels the same way. Maybe God, the divine life, feels the same way. Maybe that's why Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. Maybe that's why Paul said, the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Maybe that's why John said this stuff about love. I think that God gets glory when we actually walk in the way of Christ, when we love one another well, when we walk in the way of love, when we, when we live out this scandalous, radical way of the kingdom, that gives God glory. And we don't have to say his name. We don't have to say, oh, glory to God all the time. How am I living in a way that glorifies God and points people to the resurrected Christ? All right, another one. Um, I think we've answered this from a few different directions, but maybe to ask and answer the question in the most direct way possible. How are we identifying as a church now that we aren't identifying as evangelical? Well, I hope that our first response would be that we're um, sons and daughters of God first. But I think that like, as we're praying through this as a community, like we are, we are still holding on to our Christian values and our, who, who that is, like the tradition of Christianity. And we're, we're a, a Christian community of people that are following in the ways of Jesus. I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think it needs too much of a label. Um, think we're just continuing to follow in the ways of Jesus and the we're not losing our identity as sons and daughters you know we're we might be shedding some of the systems that are and the traditions that we don't see much fruit in right now but we are continuing to follow in the ways of Jesus Yeah, I would echo that. Um, I think it's always going to be more helpful um, in, in saying that we're a Christian church following in the ways of Jesus means is that we're reaching back to the original intents of the first followers of Christ and what they were called. Um, and you're never going to go wrong doing that. Um, when you do can get off track is when you start identifying based on other things which can be man-made traditions. They can have good intent and good reasons that they formed and went ahead. Um, but in the end, they're potentially subject to uh, all the trappings of what could be things of man rather than things of Christ. And so as long as we do that, I think we're gonna be on the right track. Yeah, absolutely both of those uh, responses. And let me just say this, just because these are the words that we've chosen.
and to, to latch onto and to describe ourselves. Three City Church is a Christian church following in the way of Christ. Very simple. Those words matter. I'm going to say it again. Brew City Church is a Christian church following in the way of Christ. Say it with me. Brew City Church is a Christian church following in the way of Christ. That's just as simple as it gets. We'll put it on our website probably. We'll, we'll put, it, put it around, but that's how we're identifying moving forward. One last thing. The way of Christ is actually scriptural. That's right in the words of scripture. So um, in, in so doing, that's how the first followers of Christ were known people of the way. So why don't we want to be people of the way? Um, another one, this is the last one from last week, and then we'll get into some of those that are coming in for this week. Um, we've talked a lot about what we're not. We're not going to be an evangelical church. Um, but what is it that Bruce City is for? If people ask us, what is your community about? How do we articulate that? Well, again, last week um, in my little mini message, I talked about how Bruce City Church is for all people because that's what the gospel is. It's for all people. And so we're ho hopefully going to be a church that's radically for all people. And when we say, say all people, we actually mean it. There are no asterisks. There are no conditions. There are no yeah buts. Or if you do this, that, or the other, it's just we're for all people. And so hopefully we become known as that. And that's going to be something that hopefully... Um, unchurched people actually get to realize and feel for themselves that it's a real thing, that you actually are for me, you are actually for us, you're actually for people like me, no matter what that means. And we're going to actually feel that from religious people who get a little uncomfortable about how we're scandalously and radically for all people. So that's really the easy answer. But then, I mean, nothing has changed for Bruce City Church. Our mission statement that we, that we clarified years ago is still our mission statement. Well, what are we about? We're about revealing the beauty of Jesus, building the building kingdom family, and living life on mission together. Very simple. That's our mission statement. It was five years ago, and it is today. Bruce City Church is all about revealing the beauty of Jesus. We are all about building kingdom family, and we are all about living life on mission together. This is one of those times too, I think I would love to be in the room all together um, because I would probably put this question back to you. <laughs> what are we for as a, a body? What are we for as a people? Um, because I think that we can all, we all need to be answering that question and not just looking to the elders to answer it, but to each one of us to answer it. Um, you know, when people ask us, okay, I know what you're not, but what are you, what you're not for, but what are you for? How would you answer that question? And so I think that's a good discipleship question that even Randy alluded to at the beginning is like, if are we are we for loving all people? And how does how do we walk that out? How today did I display that in my life? How did I lean into that? Where did I see that around me? And so I think it's a great question. And I think it's one that all of us should be asking ourselves each and every day. But um, I do echo what Randy said, we're about loving people, <laughs> whatever that means, however that looks. And some days it's going to be hard. And that's why we need tools like praying into scripture and do, doing different things to help us in our own walk. If we're really going to walk that out in beauty and in um, integrity and in consistency. So 
let let me kind of ask the what's an obvious follow up question. Um, not it wasn't received, but I think it. Uh, so we're, we're talking about being about uh, for all people. How does that actually play out in the context of uh, for all people? Uh, some of some of which would identify as Christ followers themselves. Uh, others of whom uh, would see themselves having no place in that. What for for us as a church to be for all people. Uh, does does this take on uh, is is it a matter of whatever all people want to do or however they want to live their life we're going to uh, smile and nod and be for enabling whatever that happiest life is for them or is there some more nuance to that and and how does that play out again in the context of those who see themselves as Christ followers and those who wouldn't identify that way whatsoever. Um, I'll answer, and hopefully uh, other elders will. I, I see gears turning, particularly up there in Benson's cube. Um, uh, yeah, great question. Um, this is <laughs> it's it's one of those questions that always gets asked when you say you're for all people. When you say we love all people, is like really, or, and does that mean that you condone all people's activity? Of course not. I mean. Of course not. It means that we love all people. It means that we um, aren't ashamed or embarrassed of saying all people are included, that God loves all people. But it's, again, that D word that we've been hitting on this morning, discipleship. Submitting all of my life to the Lordship of Christ is really still a thing. And it's not just still a thing. It's what this whole thing is all about. It's not just saying yes to Jesus. It's not just being for people means that you want to see them flourish and come alive in the Holy Spirit. And be, being for all people means you want to see them come on, coming alive to who they've been created to be, which is living into your likeness of Christ. So that means that we challenge one another. That means that we walk in discipling relationships. That means we get connected in home churches. That means we get um, we, we dive into the scriptures and submit ourselves to the to the to the beauty and the goodness of them. That means that we ask questions about, is this okay for me to do anymore now that I'm following Jesus? We do those things. That doesn't mean that we're not for all people if we're saying, I want to be a better disciple of Christ. I want to, I want to reflect the image of the glory of the divine life more and more every single day, me personally, and I'm gonna encourage you to do that as well. And you can do all that while being for all people and making room for all people. Yep, that's good. And I, I would just add to that. I don't think, um, of course, I don't. We don't condone everything everybody does just because they want to do it. Um, I don't condone everything all Christians do and say <laughs> who are Christ followers who would identify themselves as Christ followers. So no, that um, you know, that's a that's an easy easy question to answer. The basis of the concept of loving everyone and and being for everyone is rooted in the concept of um human beings made in the image of god um so whether or not somebody identifies themselves as a follower of christ uh and maybe this sounds weird but i, I identify them as a child of god <laughs> whether or not they identify themselves as a follower of Christ. Um, so I, so every person I come in contact with, every person I see, every person I meet, um, I believe is, is, uh, 
holds untold worth and value in the eyes of their maker, in the eyes of the father, um, and that Jesus died for that person, um, that Jesus is calling them home, that Jesus uh, loves them dearly. Uh, I don't, I don't see how um, it's even possible to read the scriptures or to um, claim to know Christ and not look at the world around you like that. Quite frankly, I think it's 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 the it's the main thing we're called to. Um, and like Randy said, that that gets bottled up and and used in the word discipleship uh, most cleanly. That's what discipleship looks like. Yeah, I'd just add Colossians 1 has in mind that um, the purpose that of what Christ did and, and who he is was to reconcile and to redeem all things, everything in creation. And so how could that, if that's going to be all inclusive of everything he's created in the universe, how could it not include those, as Ian just said, are created in his image? We don't have a choice with um, excluding people because Jesus gives us no choice. He says this is for all, for everything, for everyone. And so we can do no less. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I want to keep moving through questions because we've got some really good ones coming through. And this one gets really practical. How can we be facilitators of peace? when bringing about social change requires pointing out injustice and standing up or even fighting against established powers? I'll take a quick stab at it. I, I don't think that there's a dichotomy between um, uh, fighting for, I mean, there is in the words that we use, I guess, fighting and peace, but, but practically, I don't think that there is a, a dichotomy there that you have to um, be unpeaceful in bringing about justice. Uh, I, I don't see that those two things have to be at odds with one another. There's um, peace doesn't, uh, I guess I would say peace doesn't automatically mean like placating to everyone. That's not um, the definition of peace. Uh, yeah, that'd be my first thought. Yeah, I want, I want to just kind of go further on Ian's idea of peace doesn't mean placating everyone. Um, just because things feel good for some people doesn't mean that, that justice and peace are winning the day. Um, sometimes, sometimes fighting for peace feels uncomfortable, actually. And if for those of us who might be feel a little tension because there's like, it feels like fighting for justice you actually have to rattle some cages a little bit and maybe we're tired of rattling cages or we're tired of people around us rattling cages or saying all is not well we have still we still have work to do um i just want to encourage you to go read the prophets and the scriptures go read the heart of god that's calling his people to be on the side of justice, to set themselves against oppression, to, to be for peace in real tangible ways. Because God doesn't mind rattling some cages when his people are getting it wrong, when his people are, are sitting in their own comfort, not worrying about the peace and comfort and well-being and flourishing of the people around them. We have to wrestle with those things and we have to figure out a way to do that 
in a way that brings, we still have a, 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 play, a center in the presence of God and a center ourselves in the peace of God. That means that this discipleship thing looks like both and. It looks like me taking time when I feel um, like my soul is getting sucked, the life of my soul is getting sucked out. That means that I make room in my day to take a walk and center myself in Christ. That means that I do that daily devotional and reading the scriptures and maybe do a quiet sit, some centering prayer. Maybe I create 15 minutes where I can pray by myself. Whatever that looks like, I have to do that. And then hopefully our 24-7 prayer movement is all about prayer moves us into mission and justice. And so from that place of prayer and personal devotion, then we, then we still might need to rattle some cages and to, to cry out for justice and true peace because we can't not do it because our God is compelling us to do it. So I don't want us to feel like um, our goal is to get to, to feeling really good, to feeling just calm and comfortable because we still have work to do to see the kingdom come about. But we also have to work on our own souls and to be able to bring that from a place of love, peace, integrity. That's great. And uh, I saw in the, in the Facebook comments, too, just I really appreciate the engagement of the whole community around these, these big ideas. Um, Mo note, uh, noted being a, a peacemaker is being different than being a peacekeeper. Um, I just thought that was really apt here. So yeah, keep that stuff coming in the comments. This is great. Um, and I apologize for the Shekinah glory here. I can't always control it. Uh, but uh, let's get to another one here. So this is a, a smash up of a couple questions uh, relating to our departure from evangelicalism. What's been the feedback on this change so far? Uh, and this might even just be anecdotal from what you've heard from your uh, in your Facebook feeds, from your family, from people in the community, you know, outside, inside. What are people saying? And has any of it changed the initial stance? of the Bruce City leadership. You know, at the beginning of the sermon series, I think Randy was you that said, uh, you know, we, we want your feedback and I don't think we'll change our minds, but tell us if we're off base. Um, has any of that happened? And, and have we seen any fruit yet from this departure? Are we seeing um, that this is having the desired impact? Um, yeah, I think that's a really good question. I, um, I'll be honest, I've had personally, I've had some really good challenging conversations with people about um, just like feeling the uncomfortableness of the conversation, feeling the challenge to love people, um, to love the evangelical church, even though they're good with us leaving the label, but feeling the challenge to not criticize and judge where the evangelical church is, but to love them. And I think that those pushbacks are good. I think that, you know, I've been really floored with 1 Corinthians 13 in the last couple of weeks. And the thing that keeps coming up in that passage is that Paul, he says, we prophesy in part, we do all these things in part. We we're, we, we only know in part, <laughs> but God who knows fully knows us. And in that place, he says, so pursue love at all costs. And I think that that's the, because love is what remains. All these other things will fade away, but love will remain. And so I think even the challenge of us as a church that we're saying, hey, we're not going to identify with this, but the call to love um, 
the evangelical church and because it's not the system we're loving, right? It's the people. We're not, we're not talking about leaving the people. We're talking about leaving the system of something that we go, this isn't, this doesn't look like the gospel. This doesn't look what Jesus is talking about. And so we, we've done a really bad job at making the system, the thing that we're holding on to. But what we have to come back to is that love requires humility. Love requires gentleness. Love requires kindness. Love requires not holding records of wrong. So even in my own challenge of conversations of people saying, man, this has been a hard sermon because it feels um, like I want to love those people. And how do I do that? And I think that that's a good reminder for all of us. We're not, we're not saying no to the people or saying, Hey, we don't want to really identify with you. We're saying no to a system. And I think that that is for me personally, that's a constant reminder that I would continually be humble and jump and, and come in low and go, I actually, I only know in part, we as leaders, we only know in part We're we're, we're feeling things. We feel like this is how we need to lead out, but it's only in part <laughs> because we're human. But the thing that is going to remain is love. And that is always has to be our test. It always has to be what we grid everything through. And so for me personally, that's been such a good pushback of like, you're right. I need to continually be in a place of loving those around me because it's about the people, not the system. I think that's a great perspective. Abby's sharing there. Um, The only thing I'd add to it is I've heard from a lot of you that have said, I thought we already were this. And you've obviously grabbed the idea of what it means to live in the way of Jesus um, long before we made a point of saying it in reference to leaving this label. And so for some of you, this is very logical and, and very much who you believe we already already are. So I think it's great that we have both of you in this fellowship. I think that's pretty awesome. All right. Um, this is great. So here's another one. This, this questioner asks, do you think that having different denominations leads to division within the body of Christ? And I think we'd expand this too to, to think of even outside of denominational lines, um, these different categories or kind of identifications for, for ways of thinking within the church. Is this led to division or is it actually helpful to, to kind of try to navigate out of, into, find our place within all of these headers? Well, the, the one thing I would say, and I don't want to be quiet on this one, um, most of the labels that churches have been given have not been given to themselves. It was others around that saw a way that they were living something out and then called them that. That goes for the way of Jesus. That goes for Christians, the word itself. That goes for things like Methodist, um, all Catholic. Many of these things were said by others observing them and seeing how they were living something out and say, that's what you guys are to us. Okay. So as we go forward, sure, we're trying to grab some labels and or some things that we've seen in the church that have endured, like the way of Jesus and that. Um, but, you know, when it comes to many of these denominational things, they came from other places. So I think 
it's going to be way more about the common denominator, pun intended, of us and how we share things with uh, others uh, from other uh, denominations and, and how they lead. But um, I think that the division comes when we lean too heavily into the labels we've been given. Yeah, and I think uh, I've heard people talk about this and been in conversations like this many, many times. And I mean, there's thousands of denominations, right? And sometimes it just seems silly, seems crazy. But I think denom denominations, having denominations can be um, contributing to disunity and to um, tearing apart of relationship, but it doesn't have to. I wanna say that I, I, I love that there's different expressions because human beings are all really unique and we all carry and embody the, the divine life and the image of God in different unique ways and we all need one another. Uniformity is not the way of Christ. Uniformity is not the way of the, the kingdom and the image of God. God created us all uniquely and we experience things uniquely. And so on the way in this morning, I'm driving in uh, downtown and I listened to a Catholic uh, mass and they were talking talking through Matthew 24 and the priest had this great 10 minute homily. It challenged me because he did well in 10 minutes, but it was beautiful. And But then they started their liturgical singing and song and response. And I was like, I could never do that. I could never like invest in a church like that and feel like I love this to the core of my being, but I'm so glad that there are people who do. My dad, for instance, is a good Lutheran and he loves Jesus. He loves coming to Bruce City. He loves my sermons. He's pr proud of me, but he just can't do the worship. It's just too much for him. He needs liturgical uh, readings and songs and the liturgical service and hymns like that. That He connects and resonates with that. That's beautiful. That should not be one size fits all. And we should be able to celebrate one another. And we should be able to sometimes, sometimes we have to say, ooh, those people prophesying about the, about the election and saying this, that, and the other, uh, that's not Jesus. That's not. So, the, but those are the rare times. We have to say that sometimes, but those are the rare times. In general, we celebrate one another. We see Christ in one another, and we celebrate that there's places and spaces for all sorts of people to connect to God in different ways. Let me settle us in on one final question while we've still got some time to look at it from maybe a few different angles because it's a it's a big one it's broad uh, and I but I appreciate it uh, somebody just asked what's next for Bruce City Church and maybe to kind of to stage this there's uh, we're at a spot as a community where we've just paid off our building uh, through the pandemic we've seen and and that the community has expressed a great deal of flexibility uh, we. Um, we're, we're coming into some new spaces. There's a cultural inflection point. There's, there's so many areas, uh, spaces in which uh, what comes next could look quite different or uh, could, could go to the next level from where we have been. How do you all see that playing out? Let's dream a little. Well, I think this is a huge, huge question. Um, and so my initial response is, I don't know. I don't think any of us totally know what's next. But what we do want to do is hold our hands open to the Spirit's leading um, and guidance and 
pressing into Jesus more and more. The whole discipleship question comes into mind for me, of course. I think about it a lot. Um, but what does that look like in this new season? How do we continue to press in? How do we how do we lean into our home churches and our smaller gatherings? Because we don't know how long that's going to be. It, we don't know. It could be another six months. It could be another year. It could be another two years. I don't know. Um, but what does that look like? How do we lean in? How do we continue to press into Jesus and his work that is still going on around us? God's at work. And so how do we find those places? And one of the things that's super encouraging to me right now is to think about the fact that as I was um, getting these Advent candles out, I had the home church pastors let me know how many home or how many households are in each home church. And all together in home churches, we have 88 households engaged in kingdom life together. That to me is so exciting. That's what I think we look like in the future. I think that's next for Bruce City, that some of those home churches become even bigger beacons in their own neighborhood and reach out to people. And I think discipleship happens on front porches and backyards and it's beautiful and it's not programmed. Um, what exactly does that look like? I don't, I don't know. Um, but I do know that God is at work and his spirit is moving and hovering over the chaos and he's inviting us into it and he's inviting us into more. And so I want to be flexible I want to encourage people to be learners, to be um, willing to, to flex and the spirit leads, even if it looks completely different than anything we've ever done. And so um, those are some of my dreams. My next for Brew City is to just continue to press into that spirit's moving and to go where he sends us. And that is that can be a really flippant cliche kind of thing to say, but I really believe that his spirit is on the move. And he is drawing people to himself and he is pursuing his children all over the place. And we are given the incredible privilege to walk people into that presence and to be with them and to point it out. And so that's what I see as next for Brew City. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Shelly. I totally agree. And um, I, I would put it like this. I don't know. I also don't know what's next. Um, I don't have a crystal ball or, uh, you know, anything like that. Um, but I'm also not worried, but I'm, I'm like waiting with, you know, kind of bated breath and expectation. Um, but also not worrying. It reminds me a little bit, and this is obviously, this is clearly overstating it, but it does remind me a little bit of kind of the Advent season and, uh, and just, and, and what life was like for, you know, Jewish people in the first century, um, like something's, something's coming, <laughs> you know, something's, something's happened. God's going to do something. How is he going to do this? Uh, and people just kind of like sitting, like waiting and pondering and discussing all the time. Like maybe he'll do it like this. Maybe he'll do it like that. Maybe, you know, what's going to happen. Um, uh, it feels a little bit like that, like excitement, a little bit of anxiousness, I think. Um, but uh, I'm not ultimately worried. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think the father is good. And I think, um, I don't know what Sunday mornings is going to look like when pen, you know, vaccines come out and, and all, and all that kind of stuff. And we can start gathering together again. I don't know. 
I don't know what it's going to look like, um, but I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be good. I think we've learned in this um, pandemic in particular, um, has taught the church in general, and I hope it teaches Bruce City as well, that we can make some plans and we can talk about things, but if they're not rooted in some of the things as Shelley was just describing and, and being about a purpose rather than being about some sort of plan that we have a year or two down the road, um, we'll find that those plans can be entirely upset and even become um, not even worth pursuing anymore. And, and so I don't mean that to say that we don't do any of those things at all or purpose towards it, but we really, and I think Bruce City has tried to do this in the past, really hold it very loose. And I think the pandemic surely should have taught the church that and us as well um, to hold things loosely and whatever is next, um, be about these purposes, be about the things that we know to be true, discipleship, all of that, um, fellowship with each other, or community relationships, um, mission, all of the, the purpose stuff, rather than some sort of concrete things. And I feel like we've got this question long before the pandemic at family meetings, we've had this question come a lot, haven't we? Um, and and then here we go into a pandemic and it like flips it on its head. If we had any ideas of making anything more concrete than we have, it would have been thrown to the wayside. And so I think this is how we move and how we move forward. Yeah, I, I love these answers. And I love talking about the stuff, like Ian said, I love dreaming. I love dreaming about what, what the Spirit's calling us into. So I can guarantee you what's next for Bruce City Church is following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's it, friends. <laughs> I mean, we, we could do crazy things if the Spirit leads us to do crazy things. I mean, literally anything's on the table because it's not my church. It's not the elders' church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. And where we feel Jesus, the Spirit, Father leading us, we will go. We will do. And I hope that's like first and foremost. And then I just want to let you know there's all sorts of fun things happening without you even knowing about it. Every Wednesday night, we have a youth group that gets together on Zoom, and they talk about the scriptures and walking in discipleship, and they play games and are connecting with one another. That's happening right now. Shout out to our amazing youth leaders who are so dedicated to those kids. That's happening when you, and you don't even know it. And we have kids who are connected to that who aren't even part of Bruce City Church. So if you know anyone who wants to get connected relationally, has time on a Wednesday evening, email Sarah and I. That's happening. We have friends in Argentina who are doing church during a pandemic right now in Salta, Argentina. And we're, what's next for Bruce City Church is continuing to develop and, and, and breathe life on that relationship and see what God does in our, in our uh, church because of our friends in Salta and what happens in their church 
in, because, of, because of who we are and building that kingdom partnership. We have friends in Lebanon who are bringing the gospel in profound, beautiful ways to Muslims. And we, we have a growing friendship and a relationship because of our connection with 24-7 uh, prayer. That's happening. Those, are, those, things are, that, those relationships are being cultivated and developed. We have home church that didn't shrink during a pandemic, it's grown through during a pandemic, where people are really getting together in backyards and, and in safe ways or on Zoom and growing in connection. I, I know home churches who have a game night every whatever it is, Friday night. These things are happening and they will continue to happen. And we see Brew City Church as being a gift to the church in the area. We wanna be a resource a resource to other churches or church leaders in the area who need some love, who need some guidance, who need some wisdom, who need some experience. We want to give ourselves as leaders to other churches and church families in our city and in our region. And that's happening. I'm cultivating those relationships constantly. And we're passionate about that. What's next for Bruce City Church? I'm pretty convinced for me, I, Randy Nye, am captivated by sharing the gospel with the unchurched right now, with people who think that Jesus doesn't like them. That's what I'm obsessed with. And that's going to influence our church for me because I'm a lead pastor of this spiritual house right now. And so I hope what's next for Bruce City Church is we see a new wave of evangelism. We see a new wave of gospel mission pouring out of this place and flowing into it. And we see unchurched people coming in ways that we never have before. We see rough around the edges people coming to Jesus and, and, and coming alive to the life of Christ in unprecedented ways for us that we could be known as a church for the unchurched. I hope that's what's next. I dream of that. That's what's captivating me right now. And here's another answer to that question, what's next for Bruce City Church? In the words of Shelley Schmore, you tell us. Like, what's next isn't just up to Randy and I, or the elders, or the staff. Are you, what are you wanting to live into, Bruce City Church? Are we going to be the church together? I'm excited for what's next. I'm excited for this season, even though it's decentering, even though it's a little, little, just troubling. The church has never been the church more than it is right now. This is what we get to to build ourselves into, and so we're going to sing one more worship song together. But let's let's just, I feel you, Bruce City Church, as we center ourselves now in prayer. I feel the Holy Spirit connecting us in spirit. All around the city, all around the metro area, even some who are in other states, I feel the life of the Spirit connecting the body of Christ together. Uniting us in heart. embodying this Philippians 2 reality, being one of mind and purpose. Knowing that we, we all are the church. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus and lead us. Come Holy Spirit and speak. Fan the flames of the gift of the prophetic among us in Bruce City Church. Use this time to increase 
our capacity to hear from you, our desire to hear from you more now than we ever have. Teach us and lead us in a dependence upon you, Holy Spirit, your voice, your life, your presence. Lead us, Bruce City Church, where you want us to go. Where you lead us, we will follow. We are yours. And so as one body, in homes, in apartments, or all over the place, as one body now, we sing together to you, Father, Son, and Spirit.